0: The following is a conversation with Donald Knuth, his second time on this podcast. Don is a legendary computer scientist, Turing Award winner, father of algorithm analysis, author of the art of computer programming, creator of tech that led to late tech, and one of the kindest and most fascinating human beings I've ever got a chance to talk to. I wrote him a letter a long time ago. He responded, and the rest, as they say, is history. We've interacted many times since then, and every time has been joyful and inspiring. To support this podcast, please check out our sponsors in the description. As usual, I'll do a few minutes of ads now, no ads in the middle. I try to make this interesting, so hopefully you don't skip, but if you do, please still check out the sponsor links in the description. It is, in fact, the best way to support this podcast. I use their stuff, I enjoy it, maybe you will too. This show is brought to you by Coinbase, which is a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. I use it. I love it. You can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Dogecoin, and all the most popular digital currencies. Ever since I did a bunch of podcasts on cryptocurrency, there will be people that come up to me kind of curious about cryptocurrency and ask for advice on how they can get started with it, and I always recommend Coinbase. I think it's the easiest way to uh, buy cryptocurrency and also to learn about the different cryptocurrencies. In fact, I agreed at some point uh, recently, but also a long time ago, to talk to uh, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong on this podcast. He's a fascinating guy. That's unrelated to the sponsorship, but I I very much look forward to uh, that because I like the way he... uh, looks at the digital currency, but even just the technology world. Anyway, go to coinbase.com slash lex. For a limited time, new users can get $5 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash lex. That's coinbase.com slash lex. This show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker, a service I use to track biological bio data. They have a bunch of plans most of which include a blood test that gives you a lot of information that you can then make decisions based on. They have algorithms that analyze your blood data, DNA data, and fitness tracker data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. The great, the powerful Andrew Huberman talks a lot about Inside Tracker, David Sinclair also talks a lot about Inside Tracker including in my conversation with him. They love it, I love it. In general, I just love the idea of using actual data from your, your body to make um, actionable decisions about uh, lifestyle. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker story if you go to insidetracker.com Lex. That's insidetracker.com Lex. This show is also brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite allows you to manage financials, human resources, inventory, e-commerce, and many more business-related details all in one place. Running a company of any size really is very hard because of all the moving pieces involved. I've actually recently had a few conversations with Jim Keller offline about uh, various aspects of what it takes to not just design great products, but manufacture them at scale. It's a lot easier than it sounds if you make good decisions and think from first principles and make great hiring decisions, so you build a great team. But it's also a lot more difficult if you go in naively. It can be both easier than you think and harder than you think, depending on the choices you make. And again, depending on the tools you use. Anyway, right now, Special Financing is back for NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash lex to get their one-of-a-kind financing program. That's netsuite.com slash lex, netsuite.com slash lex. This show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. I use them to protect my privacy on the internet. ISPs are able to collect your data if you don't use a VPN. Even when you're using incognito mode on your browser, it can still collect the data. So if you want to protect yourself, from the ISBs and use a great tool for the job of preserving your privacy, you should definitely use a VPN and ExpressVPN is my favorite VPN. Another useful reason to use ExpressVPN is you can change your location to watch shows that are only available to uh, certain parts of the world. So you can travel the world without ever actually leaving your computer. Finally, I really just enjoy the uh, quality of the interface. It does one job and it does it really well. It works on basically any operating system, including Linux, my favorite operating system. But anyway, if you go to expressvpn.com slash lexpod, you'll get extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash lexpod. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp, spelled H-E-L-P, help. They figure out what you need and match you with a licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. I've actually recently had a conversation with uh, Jay McClelland, who is one of the seminal figures in the early history of artificial intelligence and neuroscience, sort of at the intersection of those. Or perhaps not neuroscience, but also cognitive science. So that whole sort of mix of biology and computation. He was part of the group with uh, Jeff Hinton from which emerged the Bragg propagation paper. Anyway, I mentioned all that because I had a conversation with him about psychiatry. He also wanted to be a psychiatrist growing up, as I have, and so very much believes in the magic of talk therapy, of exploring the human mind through talking. And so I think BetterHelp is worth trying. It's easy, private, affordable, available worldwide. Check them out at betterhelp.com Lex. That's betterhelp.com Lex. This is the Lex Friedman Podcast. And here is my conversation with Donald Knuth. Your first large-scale program. You wrote it in IBM 650 assembler in the summer of 1957.
1: I wrote it in decimal machine language. I didn't know about assembler until a year later.
0: But the year 1957, the year, and the program was, is tic-tac-toe. Was,
1: yeah, I might have learned about it. assembler later that summer. I probably did in 1957. Hardly anybody had heard of assemblers. You looked at the user manuals. How did how you write a program for this machine? It would. It, it would. It would say, um, uh, you know, you would say sixty-nine, which meant load the distributor, and and then you would give the address of of the number you wanted to load into the distributor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yesterday, uh, my friend at uh, Doug Spicer at the Computer History Museum sent me a link to something that just went on YouTube. It was IBM's uh, progress report from nineteen fifty-six, which is, you know, very contemporary with nineteen (laughs) fifty-seven. Yes. Um, and in 1956, IBM had donated to Stanford University an IBM 650, one of the first ones. When they showed a picture of the assembly line for IBM 650s, and they said, "You know, this is number 500 or something coming off the assembly line," and, mm-hmm. and I had never seen so many IBM 650s. I did in this movie that was that's on YouTube now, mm-hmm. um, and and it showed the picture from Stanford uh that that you know they, they they said look you know we we donated one of these to stanford one to mit and they mentioned one other uh, one other college and in in december of 56 they donated to, to my university case tech mm-hmm.
2: um
1: but anyway they showed a picture then of a class session where a guy was teaching programming and on the blackboard it said 69 8,000. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, it, it was the, he was teaching them how to write uh, code for this IBM 650, which was in decimal numbers. So, so, so the instructions were 10, 10 decimal digits. You had, you had two digits that said what, what to do, four digits to say uh, uh, what to do it to, <laughs> and four more digits to say where to get your next instruction.
0: And there's a manual that describes what each of the numbers
1: mean. And the manual was actually one, if the manual had been well-written, I probably never would have gone into computer science, but it was so badly written, I figured that I must have a talent for it because I'm only a freshman and I I could write a better manual. (laughs) Uh, That's what you did. And and so I I, I started working at the computer center um, uh, and... And uh, wrote some manuals then, but but yeah, but but this was uh, but this was the way we did it. And and my first program then was June of uh, nineteen fifty-seven.
0: The tic tac toe.
1: No, that-, that was the second program. The first, this, the third program. the The first program was factoring a, a number. Okay. So, so you dial a number on the on the. Um, uh, there switches I means you, you sat at this big mainf- mainframe,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, 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 and you turn the dials and set set a number, and and then it would punch out uh, the factors of that number on, on cards.
0: So that's the input is the that was, number. The
1: input was, yeah, the input w- what was the number, yeah. a number, a attended number, and and uh, and the output was uh, its factors, and 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 I wrote that program. Uh, it's, I still have a copy of it somewhere,
0: <laughs> and I, um, how many lines of code do you remember?
1: Well, yeah, it started out as about twenty, but then I kept having to debug it, and I—I I, I, I discovered debugging, of course, when I wrote my first program. And
0: what does uh, debugging look like on a program with just all numbers?
1: Well, you sit there and you—I uh, don't remember how I got it into the machine, but I—but I think there was a way to punch. Punch it on cards, so each each instruction would, would be one 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 card, yeah. or, or maybe I could get seven instructions on a card, eight instructions. I don't know, but anyway, so I'm sitting there at the at the console of the machine. I mean, I'm doing this at night when nobody else is around, of course. Um, and, and and so you have one set of switches where you can dial the number I'm inputting, but there's another switch that's that you know that says, "Okay, now execute one instruction and show me what you di- what mm. you did." Or or you or, you, or you, you there was another four switches and say stop if you get to those if if you get to that instruction mm-hmm. so 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 I I could say now go until you get there again and watch okay so I could watch you know it it, it would take that number and it would divide it by two and if it's you know there's no remainder then okay two is a factor so mm-hmm. so, so so then I work on you know, but if 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 not divisible by two divide by three okay keep trying and t- you know and, uh, until you know you're you're at the end and
0: uh Uh, you would find a bug if uh if you were just surprised that something weird happened
1: well certainly i mean first of all i might have you know, try to divide by one instead of two. You off by one errors so that people make all the time. You know, yes. But but maybe I go to the wrong instruction. Maybe I, you know, maybe I uh, I left left something in a register that I shouldn't have have done. But the first bugs were pretty. You know, I I, I probably I, on, on the first night I was able to I was able to get the factors of thirty. You know, as equal to two, three, and five. Okay.
0: Um, so uh, you're sorry to interrupt. You're so you're sitting there late at night. Yeah. So all it it feels like you spent many years late at night working on a computer. Oh yeah. So like what what's that like? So most of the world is sleeping and you have to be there at night because that's when you get access to the computer.
1: Between my freshman and sophomore year, I didn't need sleep. You know <laughs> I used to do all nighters. When I was in high school I used to I used to do the uh, the 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 whole student newspaper every Monday night. I would I, you know I I just stay up all night and and it would be done on Tuesday morning. Um I, I, that was be- you know I I didn't get ulcers and stuff like that until later, you know. But but, but uh,
0: well the um I don't know if you know Rodney Brooks. Rod
1: Brooks of course.
0: Yeah, he 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 told he told me a story that he really, you're, you know, he really looked up to you. He was actually afraid of you. Uh, well, like, really... vice
1: versa, I must say.
0: <laughs> but when he tells a story when you were working on tech, that they screwed up something with a machine. I think this might have been MIT. I don't know. And you were waiting for them to fix the machine so you can get back to work late at night.
1: Oh, oh, that happened <laughs> all the time. He oh, he was
0: really yeah. intimidated. He's like, Doctor Knuth is not happy with us.
1: Oh, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. But no, no, the 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 machine at Stanford AI Lab was uh, I, I was down an awful lot because we they had they had many talented programmers changing the operating system every day. And so, the operating system was getting better every day, but it was also crashing. So, so, so I, I, I wrote uh, almost the entire manual for tech uh, during downtime mm. uh, of that machine. But that's another story. Okay.
0: Well, he was saying they. Uh, this is a hardware problem. They. They, uh, oh, they yeah? tried to fix it, and they reinserted something, and smoke was everywhere. Oh, because wow. Because he, he was hurt. Well, that he was,
1: didn't happen as often as the system coming. But, <laughs> but yeah, there were... Okay.
0: Anyway, it was a, it's a funny story, because you was saying there's this okay. tall uh, Don Knuth that I look up yeah. to, and, and, I see. and, you, uh, and you, there was pressure to, to I, I fix I think, the computer. Well... <laughs> It's funny. Uh, okay, the kind of things we remember that stick in our memory.
1: Well, okay, yeah. Well, I, I, I <laughs> could tell you a bunch of Rod Brooks stories, too, but let's <laughs> let's let, let's go back to the yes. six fifty. Yes. So so um, uh, uh, so, so I'm debugging this my first program, and and I, I I I had more bugs in it than number of lines of code. I, I mean, the number of lines of code kept growing, a, and let me explain. So, so I had to punch the answers on cards. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so suppose that I'm suppose I'm factoring the number thirty, then I got then it. I got to I got to put two somewhere on the card. I got to put a three somewhere on the card. I got to put a five somewhere on the card. Right, and and you know what. My, I, it was my first program. I, I, I probably screwed up and, you know, it, 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 it fell off the edge of the card or something like that. But, but I didn't realize that there are some tendeded numbers that have, that have more than eight um, factors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the card has only 80 columns. And so I need 10 columns for every factor. So, so, so my first program didn't take account for the fact that I would have to punch more than one card. My first program, you know, just lined the stuff up in memory and then I punched the card. But mm-hmm. but after, you know, so, so by the time I finished, I had to, I had to deal with lots of lots of things. Also, I, uh, uh if you if you put a large prime number in there, my program might have sat there for, for ten minutes. The so six fifty was pretty slow, and mm-hmm. so it would sit there spinning its wheels, and you wouldn't know if it was in a loop or whatever.
0: You said um, ten digit is the ten input? digits,
1: yeah. So I think the largest. Is sort of nine 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 seven or something like that, mm-hmm. and, and that would you know that, that would take me a while uh, to, uh, for that first one. Anyway, that was my first program. Well,
0: what what was your goal with that program? Was my there goal, something you were hope, hoping to to find a large prime maybe or no my, the opposite?
1: <laughs> no, my goal was to see the lights flashing and, okay. and understand how how this magical machine would be able to do something that took so long by hand.
0: So what was your second program?
1: My second program was uh, was uh, a, a converted number f- from f- from binary to decimal or something like that. It was much much simpler, it didn't have that many bugs in it. <laughs> My third program was Tic-Tac-Toe. Yeah. And
0: it had some mach- so the 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 Tic-Tac-Toe program is interesting on many levels, but one of them is that it had some you can call machine learning in it.
1: That's Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be before the name of our, our field is changed from computer science to machine learning. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, uh, it 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 was my first experience with machine learning. Because okay, so here we had
0: yeah. How, how does the program? Well, first of all, what is the problem you are solving? What is tic tac toe? What are we talking about? And then um, right, what how how was it designed?
1: Right. So so. Uh, you, you got you got a three by three grid, and each 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 can can be in three states. It can, ha- it can be empty, or it can have an X or an O. Yeah. All right. So three to the ninth is a uh, well. What is <laughs> how big is it? <laughs> I should know. Um, but it's eighty eighty one times eighty one times three. So. Um, Anyway, eight eight is like two to the third, and so that would be uh, that would be like two to the sixth, um, uh, and then uh, but that would be sixty-four. Then you have to anyway. I
0: love how you're doing the calculation. So the three. It's a lot of anyway. The three comes from the fact that it's either empty, an X, or an
1: O. Right, and the six hundred and fifty. What was it? Was a machine that had only two thousand. Ten-digit words. You go from 0 to one nine nine nine, and that's it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 in each word you have a ten-digit number. So that's not many bits. I mean, I, I got to have three. In order to have a memory of every position I've seen, I need three to the ninth bits. <laughs> uh, okay, but th- it was a decimal machine too. It didn't have bits, but 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 it did have fa- it 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 did have st- strange instruction where if, if you had a ten digit number that but all the digits were either eight or nine, mm-hmm. uh you you'd be eight, nine, nine, eight, 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 eight or something like that. That would uh you you could make a test whether it was eight or nine. Mm-hmm. That was one of the strange things IBM engineers put into to, to the machine. I have no idea why. Well, um hardly ever used. But but anyway, I I needed one digit for every every position I'd seen. Mm-hmm uh 0 meant it was a bad position 9 meant it was good position i th- i think i started out at 5 or 6 you know but if you w- if you win a game d- then you uh then you increase the value of that position for you but you de- decrease it for for your opponent uh, uh, so but but i i i could I had that much total memory for every every possible position was one digit, and I had a total of twenty thousand digits, uh, which right. had to which had to also include my program, yes. and all the logic and everything, including how to how to ask the user what the moves are and things mm-hmm. like this. Okay, so so I think I had to work it out. Every every position in tic tac toe, it is equivalent to to roughly eight others because you you you, you can rotate the board. Um, which gives you a factor of four, and you can also flip it over,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's another factor too. So, so I might, you know, so I might have needed only three to the ninth over eight positions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plus a, plus a little bit. Uh, so I had, but anyway, that was that was a, a a part of the program to to squeeze it into this tiny.
0: So you tried to find an efficient representation that I, took account for that kind of rotation. I had
1: to, otherwise I couldn't do the learning. Um, wow. So, so, but, but, I had three parts to my tic tac toe program, uh, and I called it Brain One, Brain Two, and Brain Three. So, so, Brain One just played a. Um, um, let's see. At random. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's your turn. Okay, you got to put an X somewhere. It has to go in an empty space. But mm-hmm. that's that's it. Okay, you know, choose choose one and, and, and play it. Uh brain Two uh, had a canned routine. And I think it was, it also, maybe it had, maybe it assumed you were the first player or maybe it allowed you to be first. Or, I think you're allowed to be either first or second, but had a canned built-in strategy known to be optimum for tech mm-hmm. though. Before I forget, by the way, uh, I learned uh, many years later that Charles Babbage, uh, had had planned to, uh, had thought about programming tic-tac-toe for his, uh, for, for his dream machine that he that he was never able to finish. Wow!
0: So that was the uh, program he thought about
1: more than a hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He had he, uh, he did that. Okay, and I had <laughs> but and and I had however been influenced by a demonstration at the at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. It's like it's like Boston's uh, Science Museum, mm-hmm. I think. Bell Labs had had prepared a special exhibit about t- 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 telephones and relay technology, and they had a tic-tac-toe playing uh, uh, machine as part of that exhibit. So that had been one of my, uh, you know, something I'd seen before I was a freshman in college and, and inspired me to see if I could write a program for, for it. Okay, so, so anyway, I, I had brain one, random, you know, uh, Knowing nothing, brain two knowing everything, mm-hmm. and then brain three was the learning one, and and I could I I could play brain one against brain one, brain one against brain two, mm-hmm. and so on, mm-hmm. and so uh, you, you could also play against the user, right? against a live mm-hmm. person, but 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 uh, so so I, I started going the, the learning thing, and I said okay, you know, take two random random people uh, just playing. Uh, uh, Tic Tac Toe, uh, uh, knowing nothing, mm-hmm. um, and after about I, f- I forget the number now, but at, but it converged after about six hundred games uh, uh, to a safe draw. Mm-hmm. The way my program learned was actually it learned how not to make mistakes because you know how, how to it didn't try to do anything. For winning, it just tried to yeah. say Draw. not losing. Yeah, not losing. So that was probably because of the way I did. De- I designed the learning thing. I I could have, you know, had a different uh, reinforcement function that, that would that would reward brilliant play. But anyway, it didn't. And uh, and and, and if uh, if I took a novice against the uh, uh, you know, the skilled player, uh, it it was able to learn uh, how to play a good game. Mm. So oh. so there was that, and that was really my but after i finished that i i felt i i understood programming
0: <laughs> was there um did you did a curiosity and interest in learning systems persist for you so why why did you want brain 3 to learn
1: yeah i i i think naturally it's we're talking about rod brooks uh, he he was teaching all kinds of very small devices uh, mm-hmm. to to learn stuff um if a leaf drops off of a tree uh uh, it, uh you know well he he was saying something well it learns if there's wind or not but <laughs> but but, but I, I mean he he pushed that a little bit too far but he said he could probably train some little mini bugs to to scour out dishes if if he had enough uh, financial support i don't know so
0: can i can I ask you about that cuz um he he also mentioned that uh, during those years there was discussion about inspired by Turing, about computation, you know of what is computation. Yeah. And.
1: Yeah, I never thought about any stuff like that. That was, that that was way too philosophical. I mean, I, I, I was a, I was a freshman. After all, I mean, I, I I didn't. I I was pretty much a machine.
0: (laughs) Mm. So it's almost like, yeah, I got you. It's a tinkering mindset, uh, not a philosophical mindset.
1: It was just exciting to me to uh, (laughs) to be able to control something, but not, but not to, but not to say, "Mm, am I solving a big problem or something like that, or is is, is this a step for humankind or anything? No, no way.
0: When did you first start thinking about computation in the big sense? You know, like the universal Turing machine. Well,
1: I I mean, I had to pass an. I I, 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 I had to take. I had to take uh, classes on computability when I was a senior. So Hmm. So, you know, we read this book by Martin Davis, and yeah, this is cool stuff. But you know, I I learned about it because I, you know, I needed to pass the exams. But I didn't. I, I didn't invent any of that. So stuff but, but I, I had great fun playing with the machine. you know I, um, I wrote programs because it was fun to write programs and, and, and get this I, I, I mean it was like watching miracles happen.
0: You mentioned in in an interview that when reading a program, you can tell when the author of the program changed.
1: Oh, okay yeah.
0: Wow. Well, how the heck can you do that? Like, what makes a distinct style for a programmer? Do you think you know there's different uh Hemingway has a style of writing versus yes, James Joyce or something? What well,
1: well, what well, those are pretty yeah, th- those are pretty easy to imitate, but but we, it's the same with music and whatever. You can, I, 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 I found uh well, well during the pandemic, I spent a lot more time playing the piano and I and I <laughs> found something that I'd had. I had it when I was taking lessons, uh, you know, before I was a teenager, and uh, it was Yankee Doodle uh, played in the style of, you know, and and I you had you had you had Beethoven and you had Debussy and Chopin and you know and the last one was Gershwin, Mm -hmm. and and. I played over and over again. I thought it was so brilliant, but but it was so easy. But also to appreciate how this uh, this author Mario somebody or other had had been able to uh, reverse engineer yeah. the the styles of of those composers. So, but now specifically uh, to your question, I mean, there would be there. It was it, it was pretty obvious in this. Program I was reading it was it was a compiler, uh, and it had been written by a team at at Carnegie Mellon, and uh, I have no idea which program <laughs> was responsible for. It. But but it, you would get to a part where the guy would just not know how to how to move things between registers very mm-hmm. efficiently, and so and so everything that that could be done in one instruction would take three or something mm-hmm. like that. That would be a pretty obvious. Uh, Change in style, but there were but there, there were also you know flashes of brilliance where where you could do in one instruction normally I used two because mm-hmm. because you knew enough about the way the machine worked that you could that that you could accomplish two two goals in one step. So so it was mostly the you know, the brilliance of the concept more than the. Uh, semicolons and, or, or the, the, you know, the use of short sentences versus long sentences, or something like that. So that, you
0: that, that, would see the idea in the code, and you yeah, could yeah. see the the different style of thinking expressed. Right. In the
1: it was, code. It, yeah. So, so it was stylistic. I mean, I I could identify authors by their, by the amount of technical aptitude they had, but not by uh, the style in the sense of. Uh, of rhythm or something like that
0: so if, if you think about mozart beethoven bach if somebody looked at don knuth code would they be able to tell that this is a distinct style of thinking going on here what do you think
1: uh,
0: <laughs> uh, and what what would be my, the defining yeah, uh, the, characteristic it, it, of the style
1: well my code now is it, is literate programming so I'm it's a combination of English and C mostly <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but 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 if, if you just looked at the C part of it you would also probably notice that I don't that I can't, you know that I use a lot of global variables that other people don't mm-hmm. and and I, and I expand things inline more than instead of calling anyway I, I have different subset of C that I use
0: okay um, but that's that's a little bit stylistic yeah. uh
1: but but with literate programming, you alternate between English and mm-hmm. a, a, and C or whatever, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um,
0: and by the way, people listening to this should look up literate programming. It's a very interesting uh, concept that you uh, that you proposed and developed over the years.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. Th- that's the most uh, significant thing, I think, to come out of the tech project. It, it is that I
2: uh,
1: I, I realized that uh, my programs w- were to be read by people and not not just by computers and and, and that typography could massively enhance that and and, and so uh, I mean it they're just wonderful if they're going to look it up that they should also look up this book by it's called physically based rendering. Mm-hmm. By Matt Farr and Gosh, anyway, it you know, got an Academy Award, but it's but 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 all the all the graphic effects you see in movies, uh, you know, are accomplished by algorithms. And this book, it is the whole book is a literate program. It t- tells you not only how you do all the shading and. The, and uh, bring images in that you need for anim- animation and textures and so on, but it also uh, you can run the code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, and, and and so uh, I find it uh, uh, an extension of the way I of of of, of how to teach programming it, it is is but by is by telling a story at, at, as part of the program.
0: <clears> so it's uh it it works as a program but it's also readable by humans.
1: It, 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 yes, and especially by me uh, yeah. a a week later or a year right. later.
0: That's a good test. If yeah. you yourself understand the code yeah easily a, a week or a month right. or a year later.
1: Yeah, so so it, it, it it's uh at this pace, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, Tom.
0: Programming <laughs> or literate Literate programming. programming. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you, you heard it here first. Okay. You uh, dodged this question in an interview I listened to. Uh, so let me ask you again here. <laughs> uh, what makes for a beautiful program?
1: What makes for a beautiful program? Yeah.
0: What are the characteristics you see? Mm-hmm. Like you just said, literate programming. What are the characteristics you see in a program... That make you sit back and say oh, that's pretty good.
1: Well, the reason I didn't answer is because there are there are dozens and dozens of answers to that because because yes. each, each you can define beauty, the same personal define beauty, a different way from hour to hour. I mean, it depends on what on what you're looking for. It, at one level, you, it's it's beautiful just if it works at all. <laughs> Another level, it's beautiful if it's if it. Uh, 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 It can be understood easily. It's 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 beautiful if it uh, uh, if it's literate programming. It's beautiful. It makes you laugh. I mean,
0: uh, yeah. I'm actually so I'm with you. I think beauty if it's readable, readable. Yeah, is if you understand what's going on and also understand the elegance of thought behind it. And then also, as you said, wit and humor. I was always, I remember having this conversation, I had this conversation on Stack Overflow, whether humor is good in comments. And I think it is. Whether
1: humor is good in comments.
0: Like uh, when you add comments in the code. Yeah. uh, I always thought a little bit of humor is good. (laughs) It shows personality Mm-hmm. It shows character, shows wit and fun and all those kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah. of, of the personality of the programmer.
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, a couple of days ago, I received a, a, a wonderful present from my former editor at Aston Wesley. He, he, he's downsizing his house, and he found uh, th- that somebody at the company had... Had found all the all of their internal files about the art of computer programming from the nineteen sixties, mm. and they gave it to him, uh, and then uh, you know before throwing throwing it in the garbage, and then he, so he said, "Oh yeah, he he planned to keep it for posterity, but now he realized that posterity is a bit too much for him to handle, so he sent it to me," <laughs> uh, and so and, and so I just received uh, th- this big big stack of. Of letters uh some of which I had written to them but but many of which they had written to early guinea pigs who were who telling them whether they they should publish or not you mm-hmm. know and and one of the things w- was uh uh in in the uh, in the comments to, to volume one uh uh the the major the major reader was was Bob floyd uh who, who is my great Co-worker in the '60s Um, died early, unfortunately, but but uh, uh, and and he 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 commented about the humor in it, and so 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 we had you know he ran it by me, you know says. you know keep this joke in or not you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know they also sent it out to focus groups <laughs> what do you think about humor in a, in a book about computer programming?
0: What's the conclusion?
1: And I stated my philosophy is it said you know the ideal thing is uh that it's it, it's it's something where the reader knows that there's probably a joke here if he only understood it and this is a motivation to understand. To, yeah. to, to think about it a little bit um but, but anyway it, it, it it's a very delicate humor is i mean it's 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 really uh each each century invents a different kind of humor too i mean uh, and, and different different cultures have different different kinds of humor um
0: yeah like uh we, met, we talked about russia a little bit offline uh you know there's dark humor and yeah. there's, you know, yeah, you w- to, w- and, when a country goes to something different. right?
1: Saturday Night Live and stuff like this, yeah, and, exactly. and, and you know, and Jack Benny. I mean, you know, Steve Allen wrote this book about humor, and it was the most boring book, but he he was one of my Id- idols. But but uh, yeah, it's it's called the Funny Men or something like that. But yeah, okay. So anyway, I I think it's important to know that that this is part of life and. And, and it should be fun and not yeah and, and and so you know I wrote this this organ composition which uh uh is based on the bible but I didn't refrain from putting little jokes in it, it, it also in the music it's uh, hidden in the music it's 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 there yeah
0: a little humor is okay
1: yeah I mean not egregious humor so in in this correspondence you know there were there were things I said. Yeah, I, I really shouldn't have. I, I really shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> but wow. uh, but other ones, I you know, I insisted on. And I've got jokes in there that no that nobody has figured out yet. In fact, in volume two, I've got a cryptogram, a message mm-hmm. enciphered, and in order to decipher it, you're going to have to have to break an RSA key, which is larger than people know how to break Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you know if computers keep getting faster and faster then you know it might be 100 years but somebody will figure out what this message is and they will laugh i mean i've got a joke in there
0: (laughs) so that one you really have to work for uh i i don't know if you've heard about this let me explain it maybe you'll find it interesting so OpenAI is a company that does uh, AI work? And they have this language model. It's a neural network that can generate language pretty well. Uh But they also, on top of that, developed something called uh, OpenAI Codex. And together with GitHub, they developed a system called OpenAI Copilot. Let me explain what it does. There's echoes of literate programming in it. So what you do is you start writing code, and it completes the code for you. Uh-huh. So, for example, you start. Let's go to your factoring program. You start. You write in JavaScript and Python and any language
1: yeah.
0: that it trained on. Uh, you start. You write the first line and some comments like what this code does, and it generates the function for you, and it does an incredibly good job. Like. It's not provably right, but it often does a really good job of completing the code for you.
1: I see, Whether, but how do you know whether it did a good job or not?
0: You could see a lot of examples where it did a good job, and so you, it, it's not yeah. a thing that generates yeah, the code exactly. for you. It starts, it gives you a... Uh-huh. So it puts the human in the seat of fixing issues uh-huh. versus writing from scratch. Do you find that kind of idea at all interesting?
1: Every year we're going to be losing more and more control over what machines are doing, and and, and people are saying, "Well, it seems to." I, when I was a professor at Caltech uh, in the in the sixties, we had this this guy who who talked a good game. He could give inspiring lectures, and you'd think, "Well." he uh, the thrilling things he was talking about an hour later you say well what did he say <laughs> um, uh, but what, but but he really felt that it didn't matter whether computers got the right answer or not it just mattered whether it made you happy or not in other words if you yeah. know if if, if 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 your boss paid for it uh, he, uh he, you know then you had a job you could you know you could you, you could take care of your wife so
0: happiness is more important than truth
1: exactly he didn't believe in truth but he was a philosopher <laughs> yes, i like it um,
0: <laughs> and somehow you you see uh I,
1: we're, we're going that way i mean we're so, so many more things are, are, are taken over by saying well this seems to work and so and, and when there's when when there is uh competing interests involved neither side understands why the decision is being made uh uh uh, it, uh it, it you know we we realize now that it's that it's bad but uh, but consider what happens 5 5 or year, 10 years mm-hmm. year down the line what, what when things get even more f- further detached and e- each thing is based on something from the previous year
0: yeah so uh, you start to lose the more you automate it, it, the more you start to lose track of uh some deep exponentially. human exponentially exponentially but so that's the dark side. The positive side is the more you automate, the more you let humans do what humans do best. So maybe programming this, you know, maybe humans should focus on a small part of programming that requires that genius, the magic of the human mind and the mess you let the machine generate. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the positive, but of okay. course, it does come with the darkness like, okay. of automation. What's, what's better, correctness? I, I, I'm or?
1: never going to try to write a book about that. <laughs> uh, I'm never going to recommend to any of my students to work for them.
0: Sure. <laughs> so you, you're on the side of correctness, I'm on the side, not side. I'm on the side of under,
1: understanding. I, understanding. Uh, and. I, I think these things are really marvelous if they if if what they do is you know uh all of a sudden we have a better medical diagnosis or or or, or you know it'll help guide some scientific experiment or something like this uh uh you know so you know curing diseases or what or, or whatever but but when it when when it affects people's lives in a serious way uh, uh so if you're writing if you're writing code for, <laughs> you know, oh yeah here, this is great <laughs> this will make an, a slaughter bot okay a bit.
0: No. so i see so <clears throat> you have to be very careful like right now it seems like fun and games it's useful to write a little javascript program that helps you with a website but like you said one year passes two years passes five years and you forget you start building on top okay. of it and then all of a sudden you have autonomous weapon systems Based.
1: Well, we're all dead. <laughs> Doesn't matter in that sense.
0: <laughs> well, in the end, the this whole thing ends anyway. Yeah. So um but well, it, it, it pays well, the, the, the,
1: there is a heat death of the universe yeah. predicted, but I but I'm trying to postpone that for
0: <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> well it'd be nice that at the end, as we approach the heat death of the universe, there's Still, some kind of consciousness there to, 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 to appreciate it. Hopefully, human consciousness.
1: I'll settle for ten to the ten to the ten to the tenth year, some finite number. But, but uh, things like this might be the reason we don't pick up any signals from (laughs) extraterrestrial. They don't
0: want anything to do with us. Oh, because they because they 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 invented
1: it too,
2: and.
0: you you do have a little bit of worry on the existential threats of ai and automation so like like removing the human from the picture
1: etc yeah people have more more potential to to do harm now than by far than they did a hundred years ago
0: but are you optimistic about so? The humans are, are good at creating destructive things, but also humans are good at solving problems. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's half empty and half full, you know. The, so, uh, so how are we, are I, we I, half I, full I, or what? I can go. Yeah. So, so let me let me put it this way, because because it's the only way I can be optimistic. But but mm-hmm. but but think of. Um, of uh, of things that have changed because of civilization, you know they don't occur just in nature. So so just uh, just imagine the room we're in, for example. Okay, some you know we've got pencils, we've got books, we've got tables, we've got microphones, you know, clothing, <laughs> food, all these things were added. Somebody invented them one by one, and. Millions of of things
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that that we inherit, okay, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's inconceivable that that so many millions of billions of things uh, wouldn't have problems, and and, they, and we, we we get it all right, um, and, and each one w- would have no negative <laughs> uh, yeah. effects, and so on. So it it's very amazing that as much works as it does work.
0: It's it's. It's incredibly amazing, and actually that's the source of my optimism as well, including for artificial intelligence. so we we drive over bridges we uh, we use all kinds of technology. Yep. we don't know how it works, and there's millions of brilliant people involved in building a small part of that, yep. and it doesn't go wrong and it works and I mean that it it works it doesn't go go but, wrong but, often enough for yes, us to suffer
1: and, and we can identify th- things that aren't working and and try to f- improve on them
0: in a sub often suboptimal way
1: oh uh, absolutely but it's some- <laughs> but the but the, the the kind of things that i know how to I- improve require human beings to be rational and I, I i'm losing my confidence that human beings are rational
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, now here you go again with the worst case uh, worst case analysis. Uh, okay. They may not be rational, but they're um, they're they're clever and uh, uh, beautiful in their own kind of way. Yeah. I tend to think that most people um, have the desire and the capacity to be good to each other and love will ultimately win out like if, if they're given the opportunity, that's where they lean. In the Art of Computer Programming, you wrote, the real problem is that programmers have spent far too much time worrying about efficiency in the wrong places and at the wrong times. Premature optimization is the root of all evil, in parentheses, or at least most of it in programming. Can you uh, explain this idea? Uh, what's the wrong time? What is the wrong place for our optimization?
1: So first of all the word optimization i i, I started out writing software uh, and optimization was i was a compiler writer so optimization meant uh making the uh, making a better translation it, 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 so that it would run faster on a on a machine so an optimized program is just like you know you you, you run a pr- program and you set the optimization level uh, for, uh, to, to the compiler. So that's one w- word for optimization. Um, and at that time, I, I happened to be looking in an unabridged dictionary uh, for some reason or other, and I came to the word optimize. I said, what's the meaning of the word optimize? And it says, to view with optimism. <laughs> and and, and you, you look in Webster's yeah. Dictionary of English Language in nineteen early 1960s, That's what optimized me meant. Okay. Um, now, so people started doing cost optimization. Other kinds of things, uh, uh, you know, whole subfields of of uh, algorithms and economics and whatever are are based on what they call optimization now. But, mm-hmm. uh, but. To me, optimization, when I was saying that, was saying uh, uh, changing a program to make it more uh, tuned to the machine. And I found out that uh, uh, when a person writes a program, uh, he or she t- tends to think that the parts that were hardest to write are going to be hardest for the computer to execute. So so, 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 maybe I have ten pages of code, but it, I I had to work a week writing this page. I I mentally think that when the computer gets to that page, it's going to slow down. <laughs> right. Uh, it's going to say, oh, I don't understand what I'm doing. I better I better be more careful. Anyway, this is of course silly, but it's it it's something that we that we that that we don't know when we write a piece of code. We don't know what mm-hmm. what whether the computer is actually Going to be executing that code very much, mm-hmm. so so people had had a very poor understanding of of, of what the computer was actually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I made one test where where we we studied a Fortran compiler, and it was spending more than eighty percent of its time reading the comments card. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: But as a programmer, we were really concerned about how fast it could take a complicated expression that had lots of levels of parentheses Mm -hmm. and and convert that into something. But that was just less than 1% of the... uh, uh, So so if we optimize that, uh, we, we didn't know what we were doing but 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 if if we knew that it was spending 80% of its time on the comments mm-hmm. card you know in 10 minutes we could we could make the the, uh, the compiler run more than twice as fast
0: and you can only do that once you've completed the program w- and w- then you empirically I, study where
1: I had some kind of profiling that, that I knew what was important yeah
0: so uh, you you don't think this applies generally? I mean, there is something that rings it, true to this the, across. I'm all of I'm glad that
1: it applied generally, but but it was it was only my good luck. I, I said it, but you know, but but I did, but I said it in a limited context, and I and and I'm glad if it makes people think about stuff because I I'm I, you know, but it applies in another sense too. That is, um, sometimes I will do optimization in a, in a way that does help the, the the actual running time, but makes the program impossible to change next week be, right. be, because I've changed my data structure or something that, that made it less adaptable. So one of the great uh, uh, principles of computer science is, is, is laziness or whatever you call it, uh, uh, late binding. Uh, you know, don't, you hold hold off decisions when you can um and and and, and you know and we understand now uh it, quantitatively how valuable that is
0: what what do you mean we understand so you mean from a-
1: people people have written thesis about how you can how late binding will will improve the i mean you you know just in time manufacturing or whatever mm-hmm. you you can make you can defer a decision Instead of doing your advanced planning and say I'm going to allocate thirty percent to this and fifty percent, so that in all that?
0: kinds of domains, there's an optimality to laziness it, in many it, cases.
1: It, decision is not made in advance, so instead you you, you design in order to be flexible uh, uh, to to change with the uh, uh, with the way the wind is blowing.
0: Yeah, but so the reason that line resonated with a lot of people is because. Uh, there's something about the programmer's mind that wants, that enjoys optimization. Yeah. So it's a constant struggle to balance laziness and late binding with the desire to optimize. To, the, the elegance of a well-optimized code is something that's compelling yeah. to programming.
1: Yeah, it's uh, another concept of beauty.
0: Let me ask you a weird question. So Roger Penrose uh, has talked about computation computers and uh, he proposed that the way the human mind discovers mathematical ideas is something more than a computer, that that a universal Turing machine cannot uh, do everything that a human mind can do. Mm-hmm. Now this includes discovering mathematical ideas, and it also includes, he's written a book about it, consciousness. So I don't know if you know Roger, but yeah, do you th- think?
1: My, uh, my daughter's kids played with his kids in Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: So do you think there is such a limit to the computer? Do you think consciousness is more than a computation? Do you think the human mind, the way it thinks, is more than a computation?
1: I mean, I, I, I can say yes or no, but 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 I don't. I I have no reason. I, I mean,
0: so you don't find it useful to have an intuition in one way or the other? Like when you think about algorithms, do you, isn't it useful think to talk think about an un- the limits?
1: Unanswerable question, in my opinion, is is no better than anybody else.
0: You think it's unanswerable, so yeah. you, you don't think eventually science will be able. How many
1: angels to can dance on the head of a? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, no, but I, angels. anyway there there are lots of things that are beyond that uh, that we can speculate about but i don't want somebody to say oh yeah canoe said this and and so he's 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 smart and so 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 that must be i I mean i say it's something that uh we'll we'll never know uh,
0: interesting okay that's a strong statement i i don't I personally think is something we will know eventually. Like, there's no reason to me why the yeah. the workings of the human mind are not within the reach of science.
1: That's absolutely possible, and I'm not denying it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and, but right it, now, you don't have it, a good it, intuition. No, one I way. I mean either. that's also possible. You know that an AI, you know, created the universe. You know, <laughs> intelligent design has yes. all be, has all been done by an AI. Yes. <laughs> um, this is i mean all of these things are but 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 you're asking me to uh, to pronounce on it and, and i don't have any expertise i i i, I you know, I, i'm a teacher that passes on knowledge but i don't but i don't know the fact that i that i vote yes or no on well you I, do I, have I,
0: expertise as a human not as a not as a teacher or a scholar of computer science I mean, that's ultimately the realm of where the discussion of human thought, yeah.
1: Well, I know where, and consciousness is. I, I know where where Penrose is coming from. He, I'm sure, he has no. He I mean, he might have even thought he proved it, but
0: no, he doesn't. He but, doesn't prove it. But, he is following intuition.
1: But but I mean, you have to ask John McCarthy. John McCarthy, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, were totally unimpressed by these statements. Yeah.
0: Um, so you, you don't think so? Even like the Turing paper on uh, on the Turing tests that you know starts by asking, "Can machines think?" Oh, um, you don't think these kind of um, so I, he, uh, Turing doesn't like that question?
1: Yeah, I don't consider it important. Let's just put it that way, uh, it, it, because it it's, it's in the category of things that it it, 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 would, it would be nice to know, but I think it's beyond knowledge, and so I don't. I'm I'm more interested in knowing about the Riemann hypothesis or something.
0: So when you say, be, it's an interesting statement, beyond knowledge. Yeah. I think what you mean is it's not sufficiently well, it's not even known well enough to be able to formalize it in order it, to ask a clear question. Yeah. Well, and so I, that's why it's beyond knowledge, but that doesn't yeah, mean it's not eventually going to be formalized
1: yeah yeah maybe consciousness will be understood some someday but uh, the last time I checked uh it it, it was still 200 years away <laughs> i haven't been specializing in this by any means but 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 I went to lectures about it 20 years ago when i was uh there was a, there was a symposium at the american academy in in Cambridge and it started out by, by saying essentially everything that's been written about consciousness is is hogwash
0: (laughs) i tend to i tend to disagree with that a little bit so well so consciousness for the longest time still is in the realm of philosophy so it's just conversations without any basis and understanding still i think once you start creating artificial intelligence systems that interact with humans and they have personality, oh, they have yeah. identity. You start flirting with the question of consciousness, not from a philosophical perspective, but from an engineering perspective. Yeah, and then it starts becoming much more. Like yeah. I feel like.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't misunderstand me. I, 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 I certainly don't disagree with that at all. Um, and I, even at these lectures that we had, you know, 20 years ago, there were neurologists pointing out that that human beings had, had actually decided to do something before they were conscious of the, of making that decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they could tell that, you know, that signals were being sent to their arms before they, before they they knew that they were sick uh, and things like this are, are, are true. And, and, uh, my, uh, you know, less valiant has uh, an architecture for the brain and, and more recently, uh, uh christos Papadimitriou uh in, in the academy science proceedings a year ago uh, with with two other people but i know christos very well uh and and he's got this uh uh this model of uh this architecture by which you could uh, create a uh, things that that correlate well with uh, uh, with experiments that are done on consciousness uh and, and 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 he he actually you know has a a, a machine language that in, in which you can you can write code and and test hypotheses uh, and so it, it it might you know we might have a big breakthrough my personal feeling is that consciousness the, the best model I I've heard of uh, to explain the the miracle of consciousness uh, is that that uh, that somehow inside of our brains we're having a, a, a continual survival for the fittest competition. As I'm speaking to you, uh, all the possible things I might be wanting to say are all in there uh, 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 and, and there's like uh, a voting going on yeah right and and, you know, and one of them is is winning and and that's affecting the, you know the next sentence and so on yeah. uh and uh there, there was this book machine intelligence or something uh, on intelligence on intelligence yeah bill Atkinson, uh was 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 a total uh, devotee of that book
0: yeah. well i like whether it's consciousness or something else. I like the storytelling part that we, it feels like uh, for us humans, it feels like there's a concrete story. It's almost like literary programming. I don't know what the programming going on on the inside, but I'm getting a nice story here about what happened. And it it feels like I'm in control and I'm getting a nice clear story. But it's also possible there's a computation going on that's really messy. There's a bunch of different competing ideas. And in the end, it just kind of generates a story for you to, uh, a consistent story for you to believe. And that makes it all nice.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> so I prefer to talk about things that I have some expertise in than, than things for, for which, I, which I'm only uh, 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 you know, on the sideline.
0: So there's a tricky thing. I don't know if you have any expertise in this. You might be a little bit on the sideline. It'd be interesting to ask, though. What are your thoughts on cellular automata and the game of life? Have you ever played with those kind of little uh, games?
1: I think uh, the game of life uh, it is it is wonderful and, uh, uh, and 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 shows all kind of stuff about how things can evolve without the creator understanding anything more than the, the power of. Learnings in a way, but to me the most important thing about the game of life is the is is how it focused for me what it, what it meant to have free will or not. <laughs> because okay. the okay. game of life is obviously right. totally deterministic. Yes, and I, I I find it hard to believe that anybody who's ever had children cannot believe in free will. Right. On the other hand this makes it crystal clear uh john conway said uh uh, he wondered whether it was immoral to shut the computer off after he got into a particularly interesting play of the game of life um
0: wow yeah so there is to me the reason i love the game of life it is exactly as you said a clear illustration that from simple initial conditions with simple rules you know exactly how the system is operating; it's deterministic, and yet, if you let yourself, uh, if if you allow yourself to lose that knowledge a little bit, enough to see the bigger organisms that emerge, and then all of a sudden they seem conscious; they they seem uh, not conscious but living.
1: If if the universe is finite. It, it, we're all living in the game of life, just slowed down. I, I mean, the, it, it sped up a lot. But,
2: uh,
0: but do you think technically, some of the ideas that you used for analysis of algorithms can be used to analyze the game of life? Can we make sense of it, or is it too weird? Yeah, of yeah. I
1: mean, I, I, I've got I've got a dozen exercises in volume for fascicle six uh, that. Actually work rather well for that purpose <laughs> B- but B- B- Bill Gospers g- came up with the w- w- with the algorithm that that allows that allows golly to uh, to you, you know to run thousands and thousands of times faster to catch. you know the website called golly and G-O-L-L-Y. just
0: it simulates the cellular automata a like game of life
1: yeah you got you got to check it out yeah
0: can I ask you about John Conway
1: Yes I, in fact uh, I I'm just reading now the the issue of mathematical intelligence that came in last last week it's a whole issue devoted to to uh, uh, you know mem- remembrance of 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 him
2: <clears throat>
0: Did you know him
1: I I slept overnight in his house several times
0: I <laughs> Yeah uh, he recently passed away
1: well, Yeah he di- he died a, a, a year ago uh, May I think it was of COVID.
0: What do you? What are some memories of him of his work that stand out for you? Is did, did uh, on, on a technical level did any of his work inspire you? On a personal level, did did he himself inspire you in some way?
1: That, you know, absolutely, to all of those things, but let's see when did i first meet him i guess i first met him at oxford in ni- 1967 when i was oh, wow.
0: okay that's a long time ago
1: yeah yeah you were minus t- 20 years old or something yeah. i don't know 1967 <laughs> but but uh there was a conference where I 20 years uh, and i think spoken, i spoke spoken i was speaking about something that Known as the Knuth Bendix algorithm now, but he, but he, mm-hmm. he gave a famous talk about knots, and and at the and I didn't know at the time, but but anyway, that talk had now, it was the source of thousands and thousands of papers since mm-hmm. since then, uh, and, it, and and it was he was reported on something that he had done in high school, uh, uh, you know, almost ten years earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, before this conference, but he never published it. And and he climaxed his talk by b- building some Nazi uh, he, he- you have these, li- these little plastic things that you that you can stick together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 something like Lego but easier. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he made a whole bunch of knots in front of the audience and so on and then disassembled. It, 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 well, so it, it was a dramatic lecture. Uh, be, before he had learned how to give even more dramatic lectures <laughs> later. So, all right and. Were and, You at
0: that lecture?
1: And I was there, yeah, because I had to. I, you know, I was at the same conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for some reason, I was. I, I happened to be in in Calgary uh, for, at the same day that he was visiting Calgary. And it was the spring of seventy two. I'm pretty sure. And and we had lunch together. And he he wrote down during the lunch on a napkin uh, all of the facts about what he called numbers. Um, and, I, and, and he covered the napkin with the, with, with the theorems about his, his idea of numbers. And I thought it was incredibly beautiful. Um, and, and later in 1972, my sabbatical year began and I went to Norway. And, and, and in December of that year, uh, in the middle of the night, the thought came to me, you know, Conway's theory about numbers would be a great thing to teach students how to invent research and what the joys are of research. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and so I said, and I had also read a book in Dialogue by, by Alfred Renier uh, where it was kind of a Socratic thing, where the two characters were talking to each other about mathematics, and so I, and so at the end in the morning, I, I woke up my wife and said, "Jill, I think I want to write a book about Conway's theory," and um, you know, you know, I'm. Supposed to be writing the art of computer programming, yeah. and doing all this other stuff, but I got. But I really want to write this other book, and so we made this plan. But I said I thought I could write it in a week,
2: <laughs> and
1: we made the plan. Then, so in January, I rented a room in a hotel in downtown Oslo. We were in sabbatical in Norway, uh, and I rented the hotel in in downtown Oslo, and um, did nothing else. Except right uh, up Conway's theory, and and I, I changed the name to surreal numbers. That were, and so this book is now published as surreal numbers, mm-hmm. and, um, and and uh, you know we figured out we'd always wondered what 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 would you like to have an affair in a hotel room? So so we figured out that she would visit me twice during the week, <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
2: and
1: things like this. You know we would, you know, we, try to sneak in. This was hotel was. Was run by a mission organization. These ladies were probably very strict, but anyway. So, so, yeah. So, so, uh, and and the wild
0: week. <laughs> in every way.
1: But the thing is, I had lost that. I had lost that napkin in which he wrote mm. the theory. But, but I, 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 I looked for it, but I couldn't find it. So, so I, so I tried to recreate from memory what he had told me at that lunch in, uh, in Calgary, and. And as I as I wrote the book, I I was g- going through exactly what I what the characters in the book were supposed to be doing. So so I start with the w- with the two axioms that start out the whole thing, and, mm-hmm. and everything is defined flows from that. But you have to discover why. And and as I, every mistake that I make as I'm trying to discover it, I, I my characters make too. Right? You know and and. And and so it was, it's a long, long story. And I, but but I worked through this week, uh, 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 and and it and it was it it, it was one of the most ex- uh, intense weeks of my life. And and, and uh, I, uh, I I I've described it in other places. But 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 anyway, uh, after six days, I I finished it. And on the seventh day, I rested. And and I sent to, I, to my secretary to type it it was flowing as I was writing it uh mm-hmm. faster than i could think almost uh, 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 but 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 after i finished and, uh, and tried to write a letter to my secretary telling her how to type it I couldn't write anymore <laughs> uh, to so give it everything, the, the, the muse had left me completely. Uh, the, Can you explain the, it, how it,
0: that it, week could have happened? Like, why? is That seems like such a magical week of productivity. I have no
1: idea, but anyway, there was some. There, it, it, it was almost as if I was channeling. <laughs> so, so, so the book was typed. I sent it to Conway, and and he said, "Well, Don, you got the axiom, the one axiom wrong. It, it, uh, it there is a difference between." Um, Less than or equal, and not greater than. I don't. I, 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 the, the opposite of being greater than, yeah. It, it, and, and less than or equal. But anyway, the, it, technically, it can make a difference when you're developing a, <laughs> a logical theory. Mm-hmm. And the way I had chosen was harder to, to do than John's original.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh-huh. um, and we visited him at, at his house in Cambridge uh, in April. We took a boat actually from Norway o- over to. Across the channel and and so on, and stayed with him for some days and and oh, uh, he told he talked. We talked about all kinds of uh, of, of things. He has he, he had puzzles that I'd never heard of before. He had a great way to to solve the game of solitaire. Many of the common interests that we you know he'd never written them up and we, but but anyway, uh, then in the summertime. I took another week off and went to a a place in 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 uh, the mountains of Norway and and rewrote the book
2: mm-hmm.
1: using the correct axiom. <laughs> and so so that was the most intensive connection with with with, with Conway. Uh, after that, uh, it started
0: it, with a napkin.
1: It started with a napkin, but 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 we, but we would r- run into each other. All it, well, yeah, the, the the next really important. I was giving lectures in Montreal. Uh, I, I, I was giving a series of, um, of, of, of seven lectures about a topic called stable marriages, and 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 he arrived in Montreal uh, uh, between my sixth and seventh lecture, and and we met at a party, and uh, I started I telling him about the topic I was doing. And uh, he sat and thought about it, and he, he came up with a beautiful theory to, to, to show that the, uh, I mean, in technical terms, it's, it's that, the, that the set of all stable marriages it forms a lattice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and there was a simple way to find the greatest lower bound and, of, of two stable pairings and, and least upper bound of two stable marriage. And so I could use it in my lecture the next day. And he came up with this theorem you know, during the party, <laughs> uh and it's it, it, uh, it, it, a brilliant it, it, it's a distributive lesson i mean it's it, it, it's uh you know uh it, it it added greatly to the theory of of stable matching
0: so you mentioned your wife jill you mentioned stable marriage can you tell the story of how you two met
1: so we celebrated 60 years of wedded bliss uh uh last month <laughs> and and we met because uh uh, I was dating her roommate. This, this was my sophomore year, her freshman year. I, I was dating her roommate, and I wanted her advice on strategy or something like this. And anyway, I found I enjoyed her advice better than, than her. I enjoyed her roommate.
0: <laughs> you guys were ma- majoring the same thing? No, no, no. Because I, I read something about uh, working on a com- computer in grad school on a difficult computer science topic.
1: So, so, so she's an artist, and I'm a okay. A, and I'm a, a you know geek. And
0: what was she doing with a computer science book? Or I, I read the was it the manual that she was reading? What was she reading? I
1: wrote the manual that she had had. She had to take a class in computer science. Okay. And and uh, so,
0: so you're the tutor.
1: No, no, yeah, no, we yeah we.
2: we
1: there, there were terrible times, uh, uh, you know, trying to learn certain concepts. But I learned art from her, and, and so we we worked together, uh, you know, occasionally in design pro- projects. But but uh, every year we we write a Christmas card, and uh, and we each have to compromise our our own <laughs> notions of beauty.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: when did you fall in love with her?
1: That day that I asked her about her, her roommate. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, you, you... no. I I, I I okay. So you, I I don't mind telling these things. Depending on how you far how far you go, but. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but but let, let me. I t- promise. L- 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 I promise me, not to go l- too let far. Let me, t- let me tell you this: that I, I never really enjoyed kissing, uh, at, 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 until I found how she did it. <laughs>
0: Wow. Uh, and sixty years. Yeah. Is there a secret you can uh, you can say in terms of stable marriages of <laughs> well, how you stayed together so long?
1: The topic stable marriage, by the way, is not is, is a technical term. Uh, yes, uh, it's it, it, it's a it's but, a joke, Don. <laughs> but uh, two different people will have to. Learn how to compromise and and, and, and work together and, and 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 you're going to have ups and downs and 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 crises and so on. Um, and so, as long as you don't set your expectation on having 24 hours of bliss, uh, uh, then there's a lot of hope for stability. But if you if, if if you decide that it's that that there's going to be no frustration, uh, then
0: so you're going to have to compromise on your notions of beauty when you write Christmas cards. That's it. Uh, you uh, you mentioned that Richard Feynman was someone you looked up to. Yeah. Um, probably you've met him in Caltech.
1: Well, we knew each other, yeah, at Caltech for sure, yeah. Uh,
0: you are one of the seminal personalities of computer science. He's one for physics. Yep. Have you is there specific things you picked up from him by way of inspiration or
1: uh so, so we used to go to each other's lectures and 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 uh but but if i saw him sitting in the front row it would throw me for a loop actually and I, I i would i would miss a few a few sentences what unique story do i have about, i mean I I, I I i often refer to his his time in Brazil, uh, where he um, essentially said they were teaching all the physics students the wrong way. They were just they were just learning how to pass exams and not learning any physics. And he said, you know, if you want me to prove it, you know, here I'll turn to any page of this textbook and and i'll tell you what's wrong with this page and and he did so and and the textbook had been written by his host and and it was a big embarrassing incident but he had previously asked his host if if he was supposed to tell the truth um but but anyway it, it, it epitomizes the way uh, uh education goes wrong uh in all kinds of fields mm-hmm. uh and has to periodically be brought back from 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 a process of of giving credentials to a process of giving knowledge.
0: <clears throat> That's probably a story that continues to this day in a bunch of places where it's too easy for uh, educational institutions to fall into credentialism versus uh, ins- inspirationalism. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if those are words, but. Sort of uh, yeah, it, understanding versus just giving a little um, it,
1: it, uh, it, plaque, and you know it, it's it's very much like what we were talking about. If you want the computer to, to if you want to be, be able to believe the answer, computer is sure. Is doing that. One of the things Bob Floyd showed me in the '60s, there was a. Uh, he, he loved this cartoon. There was a there, there, there were two, guys standing in front of. In those days, a computer was a big thing, you know, and and the first guy says to the other guy, he said, this machine can do in one second what it would take a million people to do in a hundred years. And the other guy says, oh, so how do you know it's right?
0: (laughs) That's a good line. Uh, Is there some interesting distinction between physics and math to you? Have you looked at physics much to like speaking of Richard Feynman? So the the difference between the physics community, the physics way of thinking, the physics intuition versus the computer science, the theoretical computer science, the mathematical sciences, do you see that as a gap? Are they strongly overlapping?
1: It's quite different in my opinion. I I started as a physics major and I switched into math uh, and Probably the reason was that I could I could get A plus on the physics exam, but I but like, I never had any idea why I would have been able to come up with the problems that were on those exams. Uh mm. but but in math, I, I I I knew you know why the teacher set those problems and I thought of other problems that I could set too. Mm. And I believe it's it's quite a different mentality. Is, uh, the,
0: is it has to do with your philosophy of geek. Geekdom, it, of it, geeks.
1: no, it, it. I mean, some of my computer scientist friends are really good at physics, and others are not. And, yeah. and I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really good at algebra, but not at geometry. Talk about different parts of mathematics. You know, it's, 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 so so they're different kind of physics. But physicists think of things in terms of waves, and I can think of. Th- of Things in terms of waves, but it's like a dog walking on hind legs. If I'm thinking about, so you,
0: you basically you like to see the world in in, uh, I, in discrete ways, I, and then yeah, physics I, is more I, continuous.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if Turing would have been a great physicist. <laughs> 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 I think he was a pretty good chemist, but, uh, but I don't know. But but uh, but anyway, I, I see things. I, I I I believe that computer science is largely Driven by uh, 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 people who have uh, brains who are who are good at resonating with certain kind of 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 concepts, and like quantum script- computers it takes a different kind of brain. Yeah, so- that's
0: interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's well, quantum computers is almost like at the intersection in terms of brain uh, between computer science and yeah. physics. Because they it involves both, at least at this at at this time. Um, but there is like the physicists I've known, they have incredibly powerful intuition.
1: And and they're I mean statistical mechanics. So, so I I study uh, statistical mechanics and, and mm-hmm. you know and certain, I mean random processes uh, are, are related to algorithms in a lot of in a lot of ways. And th- but there's lots of different flavors of flavors of physics as there are. Di- Different flavors of mathematics as well, um, but but the, the thing is that I I don't see, well, actually when they talk to physicists, use a completely different language than they, when they're talking to uh, when they're writing expository papers. And so mm-hmm. I didn't understand quantum mechanics at all from reading about it in Scientific American, but but when I read, you know how they described it to each other, talking about eigen eigenvalues and. You know, and various mathematical terms that that made sense then it made sense to me but mm. but, but Hawking said that uh, every formula you put in a book you lose half of your readers and so he didn't put any formulas in the book. Mm. so I couldn't understand his book at all. <laughs> I, I, you could say you understood it, but it I really I really didn't um,
0: Well Feynman also spoke in this way, so Feynman, I think prided himself on really strong intuition, but at the same time, he was hiding all the the really good the the, the deep well, computation he, he was doing.
1: So, it's- so there was one thing that that uh, that I, I, I was never able to. Uh, I, I wish I'd had more time to to work out with him, but I guess I could describe it for you. There's there, there's something that got my name attached to it <laughs> called Knuth arrow notation, mm-hmm. but but it, it, it's a notation for. Very large numbers, and mm-hmm. so uh, it, it, I find out that that somebody invented it in in the 1830s. Uh, it, it's fairly easy to uh, to understand anyway. So you start with x plus x plus x plus x n times, and and, and you can call that x n.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so x n is multiplication. Then you take x times x t- times x times x n times. That mm-hmm. gives you exponentiation, x to the nth power. Mm -hmm. So, so that's one arrow, x. So, xn with no arrows is multiplication, x arrow n is x to the nth power. Yeah,
0: so just to clarify for the, uh, so x times x times x n times is obviously xn.
1: X plus x plus x n times. No, no, you know. uh,
0: oh yeah okay and then uh xn no multiplication is x to the n uh and right. then so, and then here the arrow is when you're doing the same kind of repetitive operation for the uh, exponential so so, so, I,
1: so I put in one arrow and, and I get x to the nth power. now I put in two arrows and that makes takes x to the x to the x to the x to the x, to the x n times mm-hmm. power so, so in other words if it if, 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 if it's two uh double arrow, uh, three, that would be that would be two to the two to the two. Mm-hmm. So that would be two to the fourth power. That'd be sixteen. Okay. Okay. So 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 that's the double arrow. Mm-hmm. And now you can do a th- triple arrow, uh, of course, uh and and so on. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I had this this paper called uh well essentially big numbers <laughs> uh, you know you <laughs> yeah you try to impress your friend but by, by saying a number they have never thought of before yeah and 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 i i gave a special name for it and designed a font for it that has script k and so on but it but it really is 10 i think like 10 quadruple arrow 3 or something mm-hmm. like that and I claim that that number, if you, it is so mind-boggling that you can't comprehend how large it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, Feynman, I talked to Feynman about this, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh, let's just let's just use double arrow, but instead of taking integers, let's consider complex numbers. Right? So, 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 mm-hmm. so you know you have du- x, I mean, okay, x x arrow arrow two that means x to the x or x, or x. But what about x?" X double arrow two two point five. Well, that's not too, too hard to f- figure out. That's interpolate between those. But what? If, what? What? X double arrow i or one plus i or some complex number, uh, and and uh, so he claimed that 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 the, there was no analytic function that would that would do that would do the job. Um, but I yeah I I. I didn't know how he could claim that that was that wasn't true <laughs> and his next question was did then have a complex number of arrows <laughs>
2: uh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah okay wow okay okay so so that's that that's Feynman. uh that's Feynman. yeah
0: can you describe what the uh Knuth Morris Pratt algorithm does and how did you come to develop it? one of the many things that you're known for and has your name attached to it
1: yeah all right so it should be actually Morris Pratt Knuth <laughs> but we decided to use alphabetical order when we published the paper the problem is uh, something that everybody knows now if they're if they're using a search engine uh, uh, you, you have a a large collection of text and you want to know if if the word "canoe" appears anywhere in the text, we'll say, or, or or some some other word that's less interesting than canuth, okay? but anyway, <laughs> that's like, the most interesting like word, Morris yeah. Or something. Like Morris, right? <laughs> so anyway, we have we have uh, a large piece of text, in it, and it it's all one long one dimensional thing, you know, first letter, second letter, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and so uh, the the question. It, We'd like to be able to do this quickly. Um and the obvious way is uh, let's say we're looking for Morris. Then okay, there so we would we would go through and wait till we get to letter M. Then we look at the next word and sure enough it's an O and then an R. But then the, oh, too bad. Um yeah, the next letter is is E. Mm-hmm. So we missed we, we missed out on Morris. And so uh, we go back and start looking for another, okay. All over again. So that's the obvious way to do it, yeah. all right? Um, and and Jim Morris noticed there was a more clever way to do it. The obvious way would have started, let's say we, you know, we found let letter M at character position 1000.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it would have started next at character position 1001. Mm-hmm. But he, but he said, no. Look, we we already read the O and the R, and we know that they aren't M's, so we can we can start. Uh, we don't have to read those over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, a, and this gets pretty tricky when when the word isn't Morris, but it's more like abracadabra, where you have patterns that are occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: like repeating patterns in the, at the beginning, at the middle, right, end. So, right.
1: So, 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 um, he he worked it out, and he put it into the system software at Berkeley. I think it was where he was uh, he was writing some Berkeley Unix. I think it was some routine that was supposed to find occurrences of patterns in text, and 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 um, but he didn't explain it, and, and and so he found out that several months later somebody had. Had looked at it, didn't look right, and so they ripped it out. So he had this this algorithm, but it didn't make it through, uh, <laughs> you know, because he what wasn't understood. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about this, particularly. Uh, Von Pratt uh, also had independently discovered it a year or two later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget why. I think Vaughn was studying some technical problem. About palindromes or something like that. He wasn't really it, he, Juan wasn't working on, on text searching, but he was working on a, 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 on an abstract problem that 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 was related. Well, at that time, Steve Cook was a professor at Berkeley, uh, and uh, uh, it was the greatest mistake that Berkeley CS department made was not to give him tenure, mm-hmm. and so Steve went to went to Toronto. But um, but I but I knew Steve while he was at Berkeley, and he had come up with a with a very peculiar theorem uh, about a technical concept called a stack automaton, mm. and, and a stack automaton it is a machine that that ha- it can't do everything a Turing machine can do, but it it, it can only look at Something on at the top of a stack, or it can put more things on the stack, or or, or it can take things off the stack. Like it, it can't remember uh, a long string of symbols, but but it can remember them in reverse order. So so, so if you tell a stack automaton A B C D E, it it can it can tell you afterwards E, e D C B A. Uh, it, you know it doesn't have any other memory except it, it, except this one thing that it can see. And Steve Cook proved this amazing thing that says if a stack automaton can recognize a language where the strings of the language are length n in any um, amount of time whatsoever, so the stack automaton might use a zillion steps, a regular computer can recognize that same language in time, n log n. So Steve had a way of transforming a, a, a computation that goes on and on and on and on Into using different data structures, into something that you can do on a regular computer, Mm -hmm. uh, fast. The the stack of Thompson goes slow, but 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 somehow the fact that it can do it at all means that there has to be a fast way. So I thought this was a pretty, you know, cool theorem, Uh, and so I tried it out on on a problem where I knew a stack automaton could do it but I couldn't figure out a fast way to do it on a regular computer I, I thought I was a pretty good programmer but but by golly I couldn't think of any way to to recognize this language efficiently
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I went through Steve Cook's construction I filled my blackboard with all the Everything that stack automaton did, did you know I, uh, I wrote down and and then I tried to see patterns in that and and how did he convert that into a computer program on a regular machine um, and <laughs> finally, I psyched it out what was what was the thing I was missing so that I could say, oh yeah, this is what I should do in my program uh, uh-huh. and, and now I have an efficient program. And and so I, uh, uh, I I would never have thought about uh, that if I hadn't ha- had his theorem, which was a purely abstract thing. Well, so then you I re- used the theorem re- to,
0: to, to try to intuit how to use the stack automaton for the the string matching problem. I,
1: yeah. So 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 the the problem I I, I had started with was not the string matching problem, but then I realized that the string matching problem was another thing which would also be, could be done by a stack automata. And, and so when, when I looked at what that told me, then I had a nice algorithm for this string matching problem. Uh, and, and, and it told me exactly what I should remember as I'm, as I'm going through the string. And I worked it out and, and I wrote this little paper called Automata Theory Can Be Useful. <laughs> and, and and the reason was that it was the first. I mean, I had been reading all, all kind of papers about automata theory, mm-hmm. uh, but it never taught me. It, it it never improved my programming for for, for everyday problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that you, you published in journals, and, and 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 you know, it was it, it was interesting stuff. But it, it but here was a case where I c- couldn't figure out how to write the program. I had a theorem from automata theory. Then I knew how to write the program. Mm-hmm. So this was. Uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, a change in life. I started to say maybe I should learn more about Thomas, and 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 I I showed this note to Vaughan Pratt, and he said he that's sim- similar to something I was working on, um, and then uh, and, and Jim Morris was at at Berkeley too at the time. Anyway, he he, he had, he's had an illustrious career, but I haven't kept. Track of Jim, but Va- Vaughn is my colleague at Stanford, and, and my student um, later. But but this was before Vaughn Vaughn was still a graduate student and hadn't come to Stanford yet. So we found out that we had all been working on the same thing. So so it was our algorithm we each discovered it independently, but each of us had had discovered a different a different part of the elephant, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, a different aspect of it. And so we could put our 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 things together. It was my job to write the paper.
0: How did the elephant spring to life?
1: Spring to life was be- because I I had drafted this paper, Autonomous Theory, Oh, can be useful, which was seen and, by Vaughn and then by Jim, and then 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 we combined. F- because maybe they had also be- been thinking of writing something up about it.
0: About specifically it was, the, string, spe- matching specifically
1: the sp- string matching problem? Specifically the string matching problem, period.
0: Let me ask a ridiculous question. Uh, Last time we talked, you told me what the most beautiful algorithm is, actually, uh, for strongly connected graphs. What is the hardest problem, puzzle, idea, in computer science for you personally that you had to work through? Just something that was just a- a The hardest
1: thing that I've ever been involved with? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that's, I don't, know how to answer questions like that but in this case uh it's pretty clear uh, <laughs> okay because it, it's uh called the the birth of the giant component okay mm-hmm. so now let me explain that because this is actually gets gets into physics too
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it gets into something called bose einstein statistics but but, uh, but but anyway it's got some interesting stories, and it connected with Berkeley again. Um, so, start with the idea of a random graph. Now, this is did, did, here we we just say we have n points that are totally unconnected, and and there's no geometry involved. There's no saying some points are further apart than others. All points are exactly are exactly alike, and. Let's say we have 100 points and, and and we number them from zero, zero to nine, nine. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's let's take pi, uh the digits of pi, so two at a time. So, so we had 31, 41, 59, 26. We we, we can look go, go through pi. Mm-hmm. And so we so, so we take the first two, 31, 41, and let's let's put a connection between. Point thirty one and point forty one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's an edge in the graph. So, so th- then we take f- f- five nine two six and make another edge, and, and, and the graph gets bigger, get, gets more and more connected mm-hmm. a- as we add these things one, uh, one at a time. Okay, mm-hmm. so we start out with endpoints, and and we add uh, m edges. Okay, uh, each edge is completely we forgot about ed- 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 edges we had before we might an edge twice we might an edge from a point to itself even mm-hmm. um you know maybe pi is going to have a run of four digits in there so, so we're going to but anyway we're evolving a, a graph at random mm-hmm. um and a, a magical thing happens w- w- when the number of edges is like 0.49n <laughs> Uh, to, 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 so maybe n is a million and I have a, a, you know four ninety thousand edges uh, then it almost all the time it it consists of isolated trees mm-hmm. not even any loops right. um,
0: it's a very small number of edges so far
1: about a little less than half n n
0: right
1: but if I had 0.51 edges, so a little more than half in, so, so it's, you know mil, million points, five hundred ten thousand edges.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it probably has a, a, a one component that's much bigger than the others, mm-hmm. um, and we call that the giant component.
0: So, okay, can you clar- so can you yeah. clarify? So, First of all, is there a name for this kind of random super cool it, pi random graph?
1: <laughs> it, it, well, I I call it pi, the pi graph. No, no, I, I, I the pi graph is actually my, my pi graph is based on on binary representation of pi, not the decimal representation of pi. But 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 anyway, let's suppose I was rolling dice instead. Exactly. Okay. So 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 I might. So, have,
0: so it doesn't doesn't have to be pi. To be any,
1: any source of it, 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 the point is every step. Choose totally at random one of those endpoints. End
2: mm-hmm.
1: Choose totally at random another one of the endpoints.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Make that an edge. That's the process.
0: Yeah. So there's there's nothing magical about pi. That you were just no, giving no. Us that I was example. using
1: pi to to. I was sort of saying pi is sort of random that nobody yeah. knows a pattern in. Exactly. Um, got, it. Uh, got it. Got it. Uh, got it. But it's not. Yeah. I, I could have just as well drawn straws or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a concept invented by Erdős and rainy and they called the evolution of random graphs. And if you start out with with a large number n, and you and you repeat this process, all of a sudden a big bang happens mm-hmm. at one half n. There will be two points together. Then maybe we we'll have 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 three, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, and then they maybe branch out a little bit. But but they'll all be separate until we get to one half n. And, and we pass one half N, and all of a sudden, th- th- there's substance to it. Th- th- there are a lot, there's a big cl- clump of stuff that's all joined together.
0: So it's almost like a phase transition of some kind. It, it's
1: exactly. It, it. It's a phase transition, but it's actually, it's a double phase transition. It turns out it, 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 it happens. I mean, there's actually two things going on at once at this, at, at this phase transition, which is... Uh, which is very remarkable about it okay so so um a lot of the most important algorithms are, are based on random processes and so I wanted to you know i want to understand random processes and how and so there are data structures that sort of grow this way okay so 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 dick carp one of the leading experts on on random randomized algorithms had his students working look, looking at this at Berkeley and we heard a rumor that the students had found something interesting happening. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the, the students are, are generating this, are simulating this random evolution of, of graphs mm-hmm. and, and, and they're taking sta- snapshots uh, every so often to <laughs> take a look at what the graph is. And the rumor was that every time they looked, that there was only one component that had loops in it, almost always. They do a million experiments the, and, and, and only... Three or four times did they ever ever happen to see a loop at this at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean, no more than one component with a loop. So, so, so they watch until the graph gets completely full. Uh, so, so it starts out totally empty and, and gets more and more more and more edges all the time. Uh, and, and 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 so okay, certainly a loop comes along once, but but now all the loops stay somehow joined to that one. They, <laughs> there, okay. there, there, never, were, there never were two guys with loops.
0: Wow, interesting. in these uh, okay.
1: in, in experiments. Okay, so anyway, this almost always, certainly yeah. not always. Yeah. Uh, but 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 with high, with very high probability, this seemed to be true. So, so, so we heard about this rumor at Stanford, and we said, hmm, if, if that's true, then must you know. A lot more must also be true. So there's a whole bunch. There's a whole theory out there waiting to be discovered that we haven't e- ever thought about. So, so let's take a look at it. And so we look closer, and we find out no, it, actually, it, it's not true. But but in fact, it it's almost true. <laughs> Namely, there's a very short interval of time when it's true. Mm. And if, and if you don't happen to look at it during that short interval of time, then you miss it. So, the, in other words, the, the, there'll be a period where there are two or three components that have loops, but they join together pretty soon. Okay.
0: So, 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 so,
1: so it, it, if you don't have a, a real fast shutter speed, you're going to miss. You're going to miss that instant.
0: So separate loops don't exist for long.
1: That's that's it. Yeah. You, you know, I started looking at this to make it quantitative, and. Uh, Basic problem was to slow down the Big Bang so that I could watch it happening. Yeah, I I think I can explain it actually in, in fairly elementary terms mm-hmm. even even without writing a formula. Let's on what, try, like Hawking would do, uh, and 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 so uh, let's let's watch the evolution and and, and at first uh, these edges are coming along and they're just making things without loops, Mm -hmm. which we call trees, okay? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden a loop first appears. Mm -hmm. So at that point I have one component that has a loop. Mm All right, now now I say that the complexity of a component is the number of edges minus the number of vertices. So if I have a loop, I have like a loop of length five, has five edges and five vertices. Mm Um, or, or I could put a tail on that, and that would be another edge, another vertex. It's
0: like a zero, one, two complexity kind of thing.
1: So, so if the if the complexity is zero, we have one, one loop. I call it a cycle, or, or I call it a cyclic component. So, so, so a cyclic component looks like a a, a wheel to which you attach fibers. Mm-hmm. Or trees, they go branching, but there's no more loops. There's only one loop, and everything else feeds into that loop. Okay, and that has complexity zero. But but a tree itself has complexity minus one because it has, uh, uh, you know, it, like a, like like it might have ten vertices and nine edges to tie the tie them together. So nine minus ten is minus one. So so, so complexity minus one is a tree. Mm-hmm. It's got to be connected. That's what I mean by a component. It's got to be connected. So, 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 if if I have ten things connected, I have to have nine edges.
0: Can you clarify why yeah. when complexity goes uh, can go above zero? I'm, I'm a little yes, yeah, yeah, so, why
1: right? So, the complexity plus one is the number of loops. So, so, if complexity is zero, I have one loop. If 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 complexity is one. That means I have one more edge than I have vertices, so, so I might have like eleven edges and ten vertices. Mm-hmm. It's, so it turns, we call that a bicycle because it it, it it's got two loops and it. It, it's got to have two loops. in it. if if, if,
0: if I, well, I, but I, why can't it be trees just going off of the loop?
1: That I would need more edges than
0: I. Uh, it, All right. Right, okay, I got you.
1: So so every time I I get another loop, I I, I get another excess of edges over vertices. I got you. Okay? Mm -hmm. So in other words, uh, we start out, and (laughs) and after I have one loop, I have one component that has a cycle in it. Now now the the next step, uh, according to the rumor, would be that at the next step, I would have a a bicycle, a a, a, bicycle. Uh, in in the evolution of almost all graphs, it would it would go from cycle to bicycle. Mm-hmm. But in fact, there's a certain probability it goes from cycle to two you know to two different cycles mm-hmm. All right? Um, and I worked out the probability was something like five out of twenty four. Well, was a, pretty high it, it, it was substantial. You
0: know? yeah
1: uh, but still it, uh, soon they're going to merge together almost like, okay. so so,
0: that's so So, cool
1: but 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 then it splits again after you have either either two or one one uh the next step is you either have three or you have two one or you have one 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 okay and so i worked out the probability uh, for for those transitions Mm -hmm. and i worked it out up to up to the first five transitions and i had these i had these Strange numbers, 524s. And I stayed up all night, and about 3 a.m., I, I, I had the numbers computed and I looked at them, and here were the denominator was something like 23023. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the probability was something over 23023.
0: I uh, don't know how you worked that out, but I had a formula I'm-
1: that. You know i could' calculate the probability yeah a- and and i could find the limiting probability as n goes to infinity and and it, and it turned out to be this number but the denominator was 2 through, and i and i looked at the denominator and i said wait a minute this number factors because one thousand and one is equal to seven times eleven times 13 mm-hmm. i had learned that in my first computer program so <laughs> so 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 so, so, so yeah is seven times eleven times 13 times mm-hmm. 23. Mm-hmm. that's not a random number there has to be a reason why those mm-hmm. small primes appear in the denominator mm-hmm. but my th- so all of a sudden that suggested um another way of looking at the problem where small prime factors w- w- would occur
0: mm-hmm. so, so so what would that be so,
1: so that said oh yeah let me take the logarithm of this formula. And, and sure enough, it's going to simplify, and, and, and it happened. So, and, and I wouldn't have noticed it except for this factorization. <laughs> okay, so I go to bed and I, I say, oh, "Okay, this is this looks like I'm slowing down the Big Bang. I can figure out what's yeah. going on here." And the next day, it turned out Bill Gates comes to Stanford to visit. Uh, they're, they're trying to sell him on donating money to, to, uh, for, for a new computer science building. Sure, and. And they and uh, I, so they gave me an appointment to talk to Bill and I and, and I wrote down on the blackboard this <laughs> this, this evolutionary diagram you know going yeah. from one to two five twenty fourths and all this business yeah and, and I wrote it down and anyway at the end of the day the uh, he, he was discussing people with the with, with the uh, development office and and he said boy I was really impressed with uh, w- what Professor Knuth said uh, 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 about this giant component mm-hmm. and, and uh and so uh you know i i, I love this story because it shows that uh, theoretical computer science is is really worthwhile you know so,
0: does bill have it, you it, ever talked to bill gates about it uh since then yeah <laughs> that's a cool yeah, that's a cool little moment in history that's
1: yeah cool. but, but but anyway it, it, he happened to visit on, on exactly the day after i had I had I, found this pattern, and, and and that allowed me to to crack the problem. So, so, yes. you know, so, so that I, I could develop the, theory and, and, uh, the the theory some more and and understand what's happening in the big. But uh, because I could I could now write down explicit formulas for stuff, and, and, and so it would it would you know it would work not only the first few steps but also the whole, study the whole process. And and I worked further and further, and I, I with two authors. Co-authors and we finally figured out that the probability that the rumor was true. In other words, look at the evolution of a of a random graph going from zero zero to to complete, mm-hmm. and say what's the probability that at every point in time there was only one component with a cycle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We started with this rumor saying there's only one there's only one component with a cycle, and, and uh,
2: so be a, uh, uh, the rumor was the, th- it's a hundred percent.
1: The Rumor was that it was a hundred percent. It turned out the actual numbers is like eighty-seven or, or, percent. I, I I should remember the number, but I don't. But I don't have it with me. But but anyway, but but the but the number, it it, it turned out to be like twelve over pi squared, or or, or anyway, <laughs> no, or, or, I'm sorry, eight over pi. Anyway, it it it, it was a nice. It related to pi. Yeah, um, and we could never have done that with. But so that's the hardest problem I ever solved in my life was to prove that this probability is. It, so is,
0: it was proven. The probability I, was proven.
1: Yeah, I, I was able to prove this. That this, and 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 this shed shed light on a whole bunch of other things about random graphs. That that was sort of the, the major. Th- Thing we were after.
0: Well, that's super cool. I, uh, what was the connection to physics that you mentioned?
1: Well, Bose Einstein statistics is, is a study of how molecules uh, uh, bond together uh, mm. uh, uh, without geometry, without distance.
0: You created the tech typesetting system and released it as open source just on that little aspect. Why did you release it as open source? What is your vision for open
2: source?
1: Okay, well that the word open source didn't exist at that time, but we but I, I didn't want proprietary rights over it uh because I saw how proprietary rights were holding th- things back in the late 50s. People at IBM developed the language called Fortran. They could have Kept it proprietary. They could have said only IBM can use this language. Everybody else has to, but but they didn't. They said anybody who can write, who can translate Fortran in, in, into the into the language of their machines, uh, is allowed to make, make Fortran compilers too. Um, on the other hand, in the typography industry, I had seen a, a lot of languages that were developed for composing pages
2: mm-hmm.
1: and each manufacturer had his own language for composing pages and that was holding everything back because people w- w- were tied to a particular manufacturer and, and then a new equipment is invented a year later but printing printing machines they have to expect to amortize the cost over 20 30 years
0: so you didn't want that for tech
1: i didn't need the income <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay. I, I already I already had uh, a, a good job and, and you know I, I, my, my books were uh, people were buying enough books that I that, that it would bring me sp- plenty of supplemental income for everything my kids needed for education and whatever. So there was no reason for me to try to maximize income any further. Mm-hmm. Income is sort of a threshold function if you don't have if you don't have enough you, you're starving mm-hmm. but if, if if you get over the threshold then you start thinking about philanthropy or else or you're trying to take it with you but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway there's a I had I, I, my income was over the threshold so, mm-hmm. so, so I I didn't need to keep it and so I specifically could see the advantage of 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 making it open for everybody,
0: do you think uh, most software should be open?
1: So I think that uh, people should charge for non-trivial software, but not for trivial software.
0: Yeah, you give an example of I think Adobe Photoshop versus GIMP on Linux, as Photoshop right. has value, which
1: so it's definitely worth paying paying for all the stuff. I mean, there, and, and I mean. Well, they keep adding, uh, adding stuff that's uh, that my wife and I don't care about, but <laughs> s- somebody obviously does. But I mean, but they have built in a, a fantastic uh, uh, undo feature. For example, in Photoshop, where where you 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 can go through a, a sequence of a thousand complicated steps on graphics, and it can take you back anywhere in that sequence. Yeah. Has a uh, long history. With too. really beautiful algorithms. I mean, th- yeah, it's, it's...
0: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about what algorithm... It must be some kind of efficient representation. It's really...
1: Yeah, no. Th- I mean, there, there's a, a lot of really subtle Nobel Prize class like, <laughs> creation of intellectual property in 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 there. Um, and uh, and w- with patents, uh, you get a limited time to... Uh I mean eventually the idea of patents is that you publish so that it's not secret- it's not a trade secret
0: that said you you've said that I currently use Ubuntu Linux on a standalone laptop, it has no internet connection. I occasionally yeah. carry flash memory drives between the machine and the Macs that I use for network surfing and graphics, but I trust my family jewels only to Linux. Why do you love Linux?
1: The version of Linux that I use is stable. I, 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 <laughs> uh, actually, I, I, I'm going to have to upgrade one of these days, but
0: to a newer version of Ubuntu.
1: Yeah, I, I'll stick with Ubuntu, but but uh, right now I'm running something that doesn't support a lot of the new software. It, it, the last stable, re- I, I don't remember the no- number, but like 14, or, anyway, it's, it's it's quite, and I'm gonna get a new computer. Um, I'm, I, I'm getting new um, solid state memory instead of, a, instead of a hard disk. Yeah,
0: the basics. Well, let me ask you, um, so sticking on the topic of tech, um, when thinking about beautiful typography, what is your favorite letter, number, or symbol? I know, I know, ridiculous question, but is there some. Let
1: me show you there. Or look at the last page. At the very end of the index.
0: (laughs) What is that?
1: (laughs) There's a book by Dr. Seuss called On Beyond Zebra, and he gave a name to that.
0: Did you say Dr. Seuss gave a name to that?
1: Dr. Seuss. This is S E U S S. He he wrote children's books in the fifties, forties, and fifties.
0: Wait, are you talking about *Cat in the Hat*, Dr.
1: Cat Seuss? in the Hat? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah.
0: I like how you hit the spot On
1: that. on beyond Zebra, did, did he? Yeah, did it get to Soviet Union? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Dr. no, Doctor Seuss did not come to the Soviet Union, but <laughs> since you, oh, actually, I think he did actually a little bit when we we're um, that that was a book, uh, his maybe Cat in the Hat or or Green Eggs and Ham, I think was used to learn English. Oh, okay. So I think it made it in I that see. way. Well,
1: my my, okay, I I didn't like those as much as. Bartholomew Cubbins, but but I used to know Bartholomew Cubbins by heart when I was young. So but, what
0: the heck is this symbol we're looking at? There's so much he, going on. He, he
1: has a name for it at the end of his book on Beyond Zebra.
0: Who made it? He did. He did. So there's, it looks like a bunch of vines uh, well, is that symbol so, exist in fact? So
1: <laughs> by the way he he made a movie in the early 50s um, i don't remember the name of the movie now you can probably find it easily enough but it it features uh dozens and dozens of pianos all playing together at the same time and but but the all the scenery is sort of the, based on the kind of artwork that was in his books and uh the, the fantasy you know based of Seussland. or so uh, and i saw the movie only once or twice but it's but it's quite it, I, i'd like to see it again
0: <clears throat> that's that's really fascinating that you gave them they gave them a shout out here okay is there some elegant basic symbol that you're attracted to some uh give something that gives you pleasure something you use a lot <laughs> pie
1: <laughs> Pi, of course. Uh, I try to use pi uh, as often as I can when I need a, a random example,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> uh, because it doesn't have any uh, uh, known characters. So, so for, for for instance, I, I don't have it here to show you, but uh, uh, do do you know the uh, the the game called Masu M A S Y U? No. It's it it's a great recreation i mean it, sudoku is easier to understand but masu is it's it, it more addictive uh <laughs> okay. uh you you have black and white stones like on a like, like on a go board mm-hmm. uh and, and you have to draw a path that uh, goes straight through a, a white stone and makes a right angle turn at the black stone um and it turns out to be really really nice puzzle because it doesn't involve numbers uh, but, but it's visual but it's 3D really pleasant to to play with so so I wanted to use it as example in art of computer programming and I have uh um, I have exercised on how, how to design cool Masu puzzles mm. and uh, you can find it on, on Wikipedia certainly uh, as an example masyu mm-hmm. um and and so I and so I decided I would take pi this, the actual image of it, and it you know, had pixels, and I, I would put a stone wh- wh- wherever uh, it belongs in the letter pi, in the Greek letter pi. and and, and the, But the problem was find a way to make some of the stones white, some of the stones black, so that there's a unique solution to the Masu puzzle. Mm-hmm. It, it, that was a, a good test case for my algorithm on how to design ma- masu puzzles because I, I I insisted in advance that the, the stones had to be placed in exactly the positions that make the letter Pi make a G's letter. <laughs> okay. Pi, all right. That's cool. And and I, I saw you know and it turned out there was a a a, a unique way to do that. Um unique. And so, so so Pi is a source of of Examples where I can where I can prove that I'm starting with something that isn't canned, yeah. uh, and, and most most recently I was writing about something called graceful graphs. Uh, graceful graphs is the following: <clears throat> you have a graph that has uh, m edges to it, mm-hmm. uh, and you attach numbers to every vertex. In the following way, so every time you have an edge between vertices, you take the difference between those numbers, and that, and that difference is has it, got to be tell you what edge it is. So so the one edge, two numbers will be one apart. There'll be another edge where the numbers are two apart, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's a great computer problem. Can you find a graceful way to label a graph? Mm-hmm. Uh, so i started with a so i started with a graph that i use for uh, an organic graph not not a um mathematically symmetric graph or anything and i take this i take the 49 states of the united states uh, th- uh the edges that go from one state to the next state so so for mm-hmm. example california would be next to oregon nevada a- arizona okay mm-hmm. and and I, and i include district. District of Columbia, uh, so I have 49. I, I can't get Alaska and Hawaii in there because they don't touch. You have to be able to drive from one to the other. So is there a graceful labeling of, of the United States? Each state gets a number, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, if, if California is number 30 and Oregon is number 11, that edge is going to be number 19, mm-hmm. the difference between those. Right? Okay, So is there a way to do this for for all the states, and at, and so I was I was thinking of having a contest uh, for people to to get it as graceful as they could.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but my friend Tom Rukiki actually solved the problem by proving that I mean I, I was able I was able to get it down within seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. He, he was able to get a perfect solution.
0: The actual solution, or to prove that a solution but exists,
2: more,
1: more precisely, I I had figured out how, how a way to put labels on so that all the all the all the edges were labeled somewhere between one and one hundred and seventeen, but but there were some 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 gaps in there because it, I should really have gone from one to one hundred and five or, or what the, whatever the number is. Hmm. So I gave myself a, too much you know a lot of slack. Gotcha. He did it without any slack whatsoever. Perfect, graceful labeling. And, and so I, you know, I call out the contest uh, because it, the problem's already solved and too easy, in, in a sense, because Tom was able to do it in an afternoon. Um,
0: he Sorry, uh, he, he gave sh- the algorithm or for this particular? Uh,
1: for the United States. For the United this, States. Is, this, problem is, this problem is incredibly hard. I mean, uh, For the general. general it's, okay. it, but It's like, a, it's but like it coloring. Was, yeah. But it was very lucky that it worked for the United States, Sure. Um, I think. But but I mean the theory is still very incomplete. But 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 anyway, then Tom came back a couple of days later, and he had been able to not only find a graceful labeling, but he but the, the label of Washington was thirty one, the label of of Idaho was forty one, following the digits of pi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going across the the topic, the, top end no of the United States, he has the digits
0: of pi Does perfectly. Did he do it on purpose?
1: He he was able to still get a graceful labeling with that with extra, that with that extra thing. What? And, wow! It, 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 and, wow! And it it, 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 it it's, it's a miracle. Okay, but yeah. but um, I, uh, <laughs> I I like to use pi in my book. You see, and, yeah. and this is the. <laughs>
0: All roads lead to pie. Yeah. Somehow, um, somehow, often hidden uh, in the middle of like the, the the most difficult problems. Can I ask you about uh, productivity? Productivity. <laughs> you, yeah, you said that. Quote: My scheduling principle is to do the thing I hate most uh, on my to-do list. By week's end, I'm very happy. Can you explain this process to a productive life?
1: Oh, I see. Well, but all the time I'm working on what I want, I, what I don't want to do. But still, I'm glad to have all those unpleasant tasks finished.
0: <laughs> yes, is that something you would advise to I, others?
1: I, I, well, I yeah, I I I don't know how to say it. Well, during the pandemic, I feel my productivity actually went down by half um, uh, because I have to. Um, I, I have to communicate by sl- writing, which is slow. I have to—I mean, I—I I don't like to send out a bad sentence, so I, you know, I go through and reread what I've written and re- edit and mm-hmm. fix it. And so, so everything takes a long a lot longer when I'm when I'm communicating by by text messages um, instead of just in, in you know, on uh, together with somebody in a room, and it also slower because the libraries are closed and stuff. But there's another thing about scheduling that I learned from my mother that I should pro- probably tell you, and that is um, it, it different from what people in the robotics field do, which is called planning. Mm-hmm. So, so she had this principle that was see something that needs to be done and do it. <laughs> it, it, you know, it just Instead of saying, I'm going to do this first and I'm gonna do this first, just you know uh just do oh, it oh yeah pick this up you know <laughs>
0: but you're at any one moment there's a set of tasks that you can yeah. do and you're saying a good heuristic is to do the, the the one you want to do least
1: right the one i haven't got any good reason to, i i, I, I think i'll never be able to do it any better than than i am now uh, yeah. I, I mean there, there are some things that, that I, that I know, you know if I do something else first then I'll be able to do that one better yeah but but th- but there's some that are going to be harder because you know it, I, 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 I've I I'll forgotten some of the groundwork that went into it or something like that <laughs> so so I just finished uh a pretty tough part of the book and uh and, and so and so now I'm you know, doing the parts that are more fun, uh, but but the, but the the other thing is, as I'm writing the book, of course, I want the reader to think that I'm happy all the time. I'm writing the book. I, I'm and, and, you know that it, it's upbeat. I, I I can have humor. I can you know I can I, I can say this is cool. You know, mm-hmm. wow, well, and this uh, I have to I have to disguise the fact that. It it was painful in any way <laughs> to come up. <laughs> the with road to that
0: excitement is painful. Yeah. yeah, it's laden with pain. Okay, is is there? Um, you've given some advice to people before, but can you? Uh, can I, I, you?
1: I, you give me too too much credit, but anyway, this is my this is my turn to to uh, to say things that are, that that I believe, but but I, I want to pre- preface it by saying um, I also believe that other people do a lot of these things much better than I do. So yes. I can only tell you my, my side of it.
0: So can, can I ask you to give advice to young people today, to high school students, to college students, whether they're geeks or the other kind, about how to live a life that they can be proud of, how to have a successful career, how to have a successful life?
1: it's always the same as i've said before i guess not to do something because you because it's trendy but but it's something that you personally feel that you were called to do rather than somebody else expects you to do how
0: do you know you're called to do something
2: you,
1: you try it and it works or you or it, or it doesn't work i mean you you learn about yourself you, you Life is a binary search. You try something and you find out. Oh, yeah, I have a background that helped me with this, or or or, or, or maybe I'm maybe I, I could do this if I worked a little bit harder. But the, you you try something else and you say, well, I have really no intuition for this, and it looks like, uh, it, you know, it looks like it doesn't have my name on it.
0: Was there advice along the way that you got uh, about? what you should and shouldn't work on, or do you just try to listen to yourself?
1: Yeah, the, I, I probably overreact another way. When, when something, when I see everybody else do, going some way, I probably, <laughs> I, I, I probably say, hmm, that's too much competition. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. but, but, uh, but mostly I, I played with things that were interesting to me, and then later on I found, oh, actually, The most important thing I learned was how to be interested in almost anything. Yeah. I mean, not to be bored. It hurts. It it makes me very sad when when I see kids talking to each other and they say, that was boring. And to me, a person should feel upset if he w- if he had to admit that he wasn't able to find something interesting about yeah. it. Uh,
0: so uh, uh, you it, know the
1: skill they' he, yeah. saying I haven't learned how to how to enjoy life I have to have somebody entertain me instead of
0: right that's really interesting it is a skill uh, David Foster Wallace I really like the thing he says about this which is the key to life is to be unborable. and i do really like you saying that it's a skill because i think that's a really good that's really good advice which is if you find something boring that's not i don't believe it's because it's boring it's because you haven't developed i haven't learned how to how to find the beauty in it how to find the fun in it yeah yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really really good point yeah
1: you know sometimes it's more difficult than others to I, I to do this, but I, I mean, during the COVID, lots of days when I when I never saw another human being, but uh, uh, but uh, I, I I still find other ways to.
0: <laughs> it, it still was a pretty fun time.
1: Yeah, oh
2: yeah.
1: I I came earlier. I I came a few minutes early today, and I, <laughs> I walked around Foster City. I I didn't want you know I didn't know. What's going on in Foster City? I saw beautiful some beautiful flowers at the nursery at Home Depot a few yeah. blocks away.
2: Yeah,
0: <clears throat> life is amazing. It's full of amazing things mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, I just sometimes I'll I'll sit there and just stare at a tree. Okay. <laughs> nature is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you the big ridiculous question. I don't think I asked you last time, so I have to ask this time in case you have a good answer. What is the meaning of life? our existence here on earth, yeah. the whole thing. Do you have... <laughs> uh, no, no, you can't, you can't. I will not allow you to uh, to try to escape answering this question. You have enough. to answer definitively
1: uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because they're, they're surely surely don knuth there must be an answer
1: what is the answer is it 42 or yeah
0: well i don't think it's a numerical that's that's the the
2: sds that that
1: was that was in in zenon okay but all right so anyway um it's only for me and but i but i personally think of my belief that that god exists although i have no idea uh, what that means but i believe that there is uh, some something beyond human uh, capabilities uh, um and it might be uh uh it might be some ai uh, but, but, <laughs> but 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 whatever it is but but, but whatever I, I but i do believe that that there is uh, something that goes beyond the realm of human understanding but but that I, that i can try to learn more about how to resonate with whatever that being would like me to do
0: so you think you can have occasional glimpses of that
1: being i i, I strive for that not that i ever think I'm going to get close to it but but it's not it's not for me it's it's saying what should I do that that big being wants me to do that's that's you know I, I I'm trying to ask what, what that I mean does that being want me to to be talking to Lex Friedman right mm-hmm. now you know and I said yes okay, okay. but thank you. well thank you but but But, but what what i'm trying to say is i'm not trying to say what what, of all the strategies i could choose or something which one i i I try to do it not not strategically but i I try to 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 imagine that i'm following somebody's wishes
0: even though You're not smart enough to to
1: know what they are. Yeah, but but, but it's
0: a funny little dance.
1: Well, I I I mean, this AI or whatever is probably is 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 smart enough to help to give me clues, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: and uh, to make the whole journey from clue to clue uh, a fun one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's as so many people have said, it's the journey, not the destination, and people live. Live through crises, help each other. All these th- things come up. Uh, history repeats itself. Uh, you, you try to say, in the world today, is, is there any government that's working? I, I, I read history. I I know that things were. <laughs>
0: they, they they were they were, they were a lot worse <laughs> in many ways.
1: There's a lot of bad things all the time. And I read about uh, you know I, I look at at things and people had good ideas and they were working on great projects and then I know that it, that it didn't succeed though in the end. Uh, but but the new insight I've gotten actually in that way was I, I was reading uh, what what book was I reading uh, recently? It was it was by Ken Follett and it was called The Man from St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. But it but it but it was talking about. The prequel to World War One, and, and Winston Churchill, according to this book, uh, sees that, that Germany has been spending all its gold reserves uh, building up a huge military, mm-hmm. and there's no question that if, if Germany would attack England, that England would be wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wants Russia to help. Uh, to attack Germany from the other side because Germany doesn't have enough of an army to <laughs> to, to, to be fighting two wars at one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, th- then there's an a- anarchist in Russia who sees that it, it, wars are uh, something that leaders start, but actually people get killed. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to stop any alliance between England and Russia because that would mean that uh, thousands and thousands of people of Russia would, would, would be, be killed that wouldn't be otherwise killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. And so his, his life's goal is to assassinate a, a Russian prince who's visiting England because that will make, will mean the Tsar will not form the alliance. All right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we have this question about what should the government do should, should it actually do something that will lead to you know is wo- is the war inevitable or is there a way to have peace and, and this this, this and it, it struck me that if i were in a position of responsibility for, for people's lives in most cases i wouldn't have i wouldn't have any confidence that any of my decisions were good that that, that, that these these questions are too hard probably for any human being but certainly for me
0: well i think i think coupling the not being sure that the decisions are right so, so that that's actually a really good thing coupled with the fact that you do have to make a decision and carry the burden of that and ultimately i have faith in human beings in the great leaders to arise uh, and help build a better world. I mean, that's the hope of democracy. The, that's the-
1: Yeah, Ben, uh, let's hope that we can uh, en- enhance their abilities with, uh, uh, with algorithms.
0: <laughs> uh, all, <laughs> uh, well put, Don. <laughs> uh, it's such a huge honor. I've You've been an inspiration to me and to millions for such a long time. Um, thank you uh, for spending your really valuable time with me. Once again, it's a huge honor. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening to this conversation with Donald Knuth. To support this podcast, please check out our sponsors in the description. And now let me leave you with some words from Don Knuth himself. Science is what we understand well enough to explain to a computer. Art is everything else we do. Thank you for listening. I hope to see you next time.